This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. with some well-known guests. I'm Charles Perry Phillips, and with me is Jim, or should we say Miranda <laughs> Daly. Well, yes, I've, I've got... Miranda and I share this laptop for work, and um, she teaches dramas, and she has to have her name in the Zoom, and I often forget, slash, I'm too lazy to change it. So for, for today's podcast with our guest, actually, I was, I was Miranda Dorr. But I could, I could be a Miranda... Yeah, definitely. I could, yeah, I could. Could she be a gym, though? She's, no, she's um, she's too fabulous to she's be a, a gym. She's a good actress, though, so she could. It's true. I think she could portray a gym. It's the role she was born to play. <laughs> um, this could, is a very yeah. strange conversation. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm all, well, I, had a, I took a tumble this week. You took a tumble, did you? Yeah. This is the first I time went, hearing of this. I, um... So on Sunday, I thought I'd go for a nice walk in in the uh, the lovely surroundings of Seaford. Yeah, and I went up um, Seaford Head, which is a very big hill, mm. and uh, you can look out over t- um, the Seven Sisters. which is very idyllic. It's um, been used in lots of films recently. I don't know if anyone's seen Hope Gap on Netflix. They filmed loads of bits oh, there, wow. and. Um, Summerland with Gemma Arterton that recently had, and they've used it in like Atonement and Luther re- in, in oh, recent wow. years. So it's been used a lot. This sort of thing. I'm very lucky. It's like you know, now it's like a 15 minute walk from our house. Anyway, I was walking down towards. So if anyone's seen Home Gap, there is um, it's a little bit of the coast where there's um, rock pools. It's a little kind of almost like a private beach. Oh. Very beautiful. You can walk down to it. I was just coming down the hill, and it was incredibly windy incredibly oh, no. windy and i actually just got swept off my feet and oh. i splatted on my back oh. um on the ground and um 
I was completely winded. Like, yeah. oh, I was, I, and I think I, anyway, I, I um, soon as I got up, I thought I don't feel quite right. And my neck was all cricked and, oh. uh, and then I had to sort of hobble up another big hill, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, which was equally slippy. <laughs> and then another two miles back the other way back to get to back home. Eventually Michelle, my wife came and picked me up because uh, I sort of messaged saying, I've fallen over. And she's <laughs> like, you're right. I was like, I think I've hurt my neck. <laughs> um, and so she came and rescued me, uh, which was very kind of her. But um, I was absolutely covered in mud, head to oh, toe. No, no one, no, luckily no one was, because I, I mean, it would have been worse, I think, the, the pain and the embarrassment. Yeah. But luckily no one saw me fall over. But I did see people pass me as I was hobbling along the hill, the top of the hill. Um, and clearly... There was a few sort of smirks and, oh, look who's fallen over. Or, no, I know I'm getting older because, like, you you don't have a fall at this point. So you you don't fall over, you have a fall. Yeah, exactly, he's had a fall. Oh, he's had a fall. He's had a fall. no. You know, you're getting Um, a bit older. Yeah, it was, um, but I was really sore for the next few days. I did feel like, yeah, it was um, it was actually quite painful, and I've I've been taking ibuprofen and, oh. and yeah, so well, I'm so feeling back, a bit better is today. Back, back in pain then? Well, just the the whole torso Everywhere. basically, oh, and God. the neck and everything. So I don't know if I hit my head, but I was all oh, right. God, okay. Well, I'm feeling all right today. To Good. I'm, well, you, you look I can like you're in one piece. So I, I've been doing that thing where you turn your entire body to look one way, <laughs> like you're in a like cast, like a body cast. Yeah. Um, but today I can actually move my head the other way. Oh, so that's, God. Nice. Oh, I'm so sorry, that's man. That my sounds... that's my week. Blimey, that's it's, it's one of the sort of perils of we we need to get out at the moment because we're all stuck in to like ha- get fresh air and stuff. But obviously, if you're living somewhere where it's going to be windy like that, then mm. so you had, you I've basically never... had a fall on a very famous movie set. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I highly recommend watching Hope Gap. You can see I can a weird promo. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's quite a bleak story, but it's a beautifully shot, and it's a real. Lo- and what's nice is a real love letter to my part of the world. So, um, well, you do live in a very nice part of the world. I mean, as do I. We I'm are lucky. lucky. We live in nice, really nice mm. parts of the world, uh, which at the moment is you know nice to appreciate. Someone else that lives in a nice part of the world, which we talked about actually during the pod, is today's guest. Uh, it's the wonderful Jill Halfpenny, um, who. It's just this. Is, this was such a lovely chat. It was just it was so amazing. Nice. I feel like I learned a lot about myself, about you, yeah. and about Jill. In yeah. it, we sort of really did kind of get everything out. We sort of deep dived a bit, and it was very sort of mm. you know um, almost analytical and introspective. But uh, Jill's got so many. I'm um, someone that I think thinks similar to you and me about life and work and stuff, and mm. so many great advice and. Um, lots of little sayings and analogies that all really ring true um there's so there's lots of really good stuff in here from her actually she was really uh really really insightful and just lovely as well just yeah yeah really 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 lovely person to uh to chat to Mm. so um yeah i think this is going to be a good one yeah really great company lovely to talk to and thoughtful i think that was absolutely very thoughtful about that about life the world and and her work as well you know she's been in some incredible shows yeah uh very prolific act- actress and uh yeah i think you know it was just yeah that thoughtful was the thing that i thought and so loves drag race which obviously yes makes anyone a legend in my eyes so which <laughs> we do take over the pod talking about drag for a bit but it drag is fantastic and it and you know it's well um, we i think we need to get your friend on 
on the we pod. We should get Tia Coffee on the pod. Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, she is an amazing drag queen. Amazing drag queen. Um, I will make inquiries. Good work. Um, right. Should we read? Well, before we dive in, we yeah. should probably read some nice tweets. Because okay. we've had loads. We really have. Our, our Twitter's yeah. going crazy at the moment. Um, do you want to go first? I will. It's Claire Stevenson. She says, fabulous podcasts, uh, the Blank Podcast, um, this episode with Stephen Fry, talking about when Kentucky is famous for Ooh. bourbon and Derby, yeah. and their slogan, unbridled spirit. <laughs> I can't do it quite as well as Stephen did. Um, esca- uh, encapsulating both quite beautifully. Yeah. Um, co- it says, copywriters unite. So oh, I assume lovely. she's a copywriter. Um, so anyway, yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Claire. That's a lovely message. Lovely message, yeah. Well, obviously, that was our 100th episode as well, a few weeks back with, with Stephen Fry. And um, I think you did it justice there, the impression. I thought that was quite good. That was a good accent. Um, I don't think there's going to be any casting calls anytime soon. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, I've got one here from someone I think you know, Giles. It's Fraser Williams. Fraser. <laughs> Fraser sings in the band I'm in called Burnt House. Uh, well, we can check us Twitter, out on Spotify and iTunes. Oh, seamless. His Twitter profile picture is him singing into a microphone. So there you ah, go. He's very well, he's on probably brand. one of our gigs. And he's, he's on a lovely tw- tweet here. He said, uh, went for a run listening to Blank Pod, Ronnie O'Sullivan episode with Charles and Jim. Quote, every club has a knoll. <laughs> Classic. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie's descriptions of those old snooker clubs was, is honestly worth the listen to that episode. It's, it's so amazing. Evocative. Um, brilliant. And Fraser goes on to say, also, side benefit of company for me when I visited the lavatory on my return. <laughs> there is a bit of a squeeze. For room, I mean. Thanks, Fraser. TMI a little bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the episode of Ronnie is brilliant. I mean, what, what a character. and what, what a lovely, again, very thoughtful guy as well. Oh, Ronnie's it was so good. We've had loads of messages about that episode. Yeah, and it was it was my snooker club that had Noel. Yes, the, the sort of that's ninety right. year old that's right. uh, snooker pro. Um, they couldn't. <laughs> they never upgraded the snooker pro. They just had the same old guy, who who was uh, you. You're sort of as as a, a sort of a snooker apprentice. You had to kind of sweep the mm. tables and mm. iron the tables before you could play in the morning, and. Uh, You'd do all that, and then he'd come and roll his fags over the over <laughs> Classic, table, no. spill spill back backy all over the, <laughs> all over the all over the bays. So yeah, it was great. And I think like Roddy says, this every sneaker club's got one of those in it. <laughs> it's like football kids doing YTS, isn't it? Cleaning the boots and stuff like that of the pros. yeah. And then like Harry Kane comes in and just like <laughs> puts um, puts mud all over them. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, or, or spills you. his Red Bull over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, on purpose. It's in front of you, yeah. just like pouring it, staring you out as he does it. Um, well, look, I'm sure Harry you. Kane doesn't do things like that. He seems like a very nice guy, Harry Kane, actually. Yeah. Um, thank you for those tweets. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks Fraser. Um, nice, to, nice to know you're listening. Yeah, thanks, Fraser. Um, should we crack on with this week's episode? We really should. It's a fantastic episode with the wonderful Jill Halfpenny. <laughs> It's lovely to talk to you. And you. I'm, I'm really liking your lights in the background. We've got something <laughs> similar going on in our living room. Yeah, it's a bit it's of like Christmas. It's like almost didn't want to take the decorations down. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to keep yeah. some sparkle in our lives. <laughs> I bought that, like, in, you know, when we weren't in lockdown and I put it up thinking it would be for Christmas. And then I was like, 
No, fairy lights are forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not just for Christmas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is a good life mantra, that right there. <laughs> but how have you been finding this last year? I mean, it's been difficult, obviously, for the entertainment industry. But, yeah, how have you, how have you coped? Well, I sort of made, like, a massive like change in my life I'm I, I moved I moved from London after how long had I been there 27 years I think back up to the northeast wow and, really and I, I sort of and so I had to get my son in a new school I had to find a place wow move from London up here <laughs> so I gave myself it was really strange so the first lockdown hit and the idea of being locked down didn't bother me so much then because it felt like we were all in it together. We were Mm. all going to get through this. It was going to be a short period of time. It did start to really worry me when I watched what was happening to the theatre industry in particular. That was like, oh, that's scary. Um, But again, it felt, it really felt like it wasn't going to last very long. And then I honestly don't know what it, well, it was a number of things in my life that had changed and for various different personal reasons, I just thought, I wonder if it would be easier for me if I lived in the Northeast and then I just did all the traveling for my works. I I thought to myself, I wonder whether I could be in the Northeast and I'd have all my family around me and that kind of, you know, that idea of having a village Mm, to sort of help you. And then I just did, because the thing is, when I film... It's very rare that I film in London. It's so expensive to film in London. Nobody really does. And it's a couple of times I've done it, which is lovely to be able to go home at night, you know. But, you know, in the main, you're wherever in the UK or or, or even out of, you know, sort of overseas. Um, So I just thought, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to take the plunge and I'm going to do it. And then I think I'm at a stage in my career now where it's kind of doesn't matter where I am as long as I can get to where they want me to be. Yeah. And, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't really make much difference. I, I guess it'll be more challenging for me if I get some theatre. Mm. But as I said to my agent, if it was a long run in the West End, which I've done before, well, then we'll do it and we'll cross that bridge when we come yeah. to it and we'll make it work. I, I think that this business can make you feel like there are, a lot of things you have to do. You have to be based here. Mm. You have to have this kind of picture. You have to have that showreel. You have to do this. Well, of course, like every business has ideas and rules, but, you know, I see people doing really well that don't adhere to any of those rules. Mm. And I think that this business can, because every, because the feeling of scarcity is, really really prominent in this in 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 the in the media industry that you think that if i do everything right in inverted commas then i'll have more chance of succeeding mm. and actually as i've got older i just think yeah but it's got to be right for the rest of your life it hasn't got to be right just for that little track of your career i am not just an actress i am many other things mm. and i really want i really feel like in my younger days i I really didn't allow myself to explore those things. And I'm not talking about like people who go like, oh yeah, I've got like, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I'm a podcast. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when I say many other things, I just mean like there is more to me than my job just as a person, you know? So 
I mean, I'm 45. It's taken a while. <laughs> but uh, so that's, what, <laughs> that's where I out. am. Yeah, I just thought I'm going to do it. And it probably like to a lot of people that might think, what's the big deal? You, you, you left London. But I never thought I would live anywhere else but London. Like London was the place for me. I, I love it and still do. But I just sort of turned a corner in my life where I just thought, I think I need to be near my family it would be helpful to me, but also, you know, it's getting to the point where my parents are getting older now. And mm. I, I've been away for a long, long time. I think I want to be back. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Like th- I'm in the Northeast. I live by the sea. It's amazing. I think, I think you're totally right about that, that industry. I think in a way people respect you almost more if you, if you put yourself first, so my wife's also an actor, and um, is your wife called Miranda? Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. Your name's coming up on the Zoom. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, am I talking to Miranda? Yeah. I keep forgetting about that. I keep forgetting to. Oh, it's too late now. I can't be asked to it's change too it. Late. It's too long. Let's now. just yeah. call you Miranda. Um, so yeah, Miranda's an actor, and um, she got an uh, she got casting for an advert at the start of this year, or end of last year. And first of all, it's like, you've got to be based in London and we're in Buckinghamshire, so we're not far out. And her agent was like, I'll just put you in anyway, put her in. And then it was like, can you come for a recall in town? And it was just after second or third lockdown had come in. And Miranda was like, mm, I'd actually want to. Like, I feel a bit nervous coming in on the train. We live with her mum, who's who's older and vulnerable. I'd rather not. But do should I? Should I go in? They've asked me to go in. Should I? I don't want to. And in the end, they said she said to her agent, say, I can't. I'm really sorry. I can't come in. And the, the casting director said, no, no problem. We'll do it over Zoom. Did it over Zoom. Got, got the advert. So, you, you know what I mean? You, you don't have to. If, you, if something is not making you feel happy or making you feel nervous, put yourself first. You don't have to do what they tell you. Because if they want you, they'll, they'll want you anyway. But that, that takes, like, experience and maturity. I mean, with the pandemic, we've been forced into those decisions a bit more where you mm. can really legitimately say, look, getting on a train... Yeah. And going into the city is not a good idea at the moment. No one can argue with that. That is not a good idea. But um, I just think even something that might be sort of a bit more opaque than that, then I think you're right. I think that you you can you can say what you want. You might not always get it. But we. I think, you know, a lot of young actors are made to feel like they're just not allowed to say what they want. Did you see that, like, video that went viral, that that, that young yeah. American actor? Yeah, Luke you know the one I'm talking Gage's about. his name was, wasn't it, or something like that, yeah. I mean, he, look, he, he dealt with it really, really yeah, well. Yeah, really well. He was brilliant. But actually, what I kind of wanted him to say was, really? Yeah. Like, are, are you for real? Yeah. Like, you... You're slagging off like where I live. Like I'm an actor. What? What do you? What did you expect to to see me? Well, also, just... his apartment looked quite nice. I don't. What... That's what I thought. <laughs> I, know, I was like, amazing. I live there. I'd like... <laughs> live there. Yeah. I assume he's in LA. He's got a nice apartment in LA. Like he's doing well. Yeah. But it just seemed like that. That was a real moment of the chasm between the performer and the sort of employer. Yeah. It just felt like what do you, what what do you expect? What do you think? And I think that. Everyone is so willing all of the time to hop, skip and jump and do anything that people want Mm. because they just want a job and I get it. People have to earn a living, but I think, I think you're right. I think sometimes you, for your own self-respect, you have to say that, 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 I didn't like that. 
I don't like the way you're talking. Oh, that doesn't work for me. Like a friend of mine, this was a while ago, she was in an audition and um, there was a producer and a director and the casting director was there. And while she was doing her scene in the audition, the producer started like sort of scrolling on his iPad like this. Oh, don't want and that. She's around about the same age as me. And she said, excuse me, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And he said, I'm checking my emails. As if to say, why? Why wouldn't I be? And she was like, well, while I'm performing, you've asked me to come in and read for you and you're checking your emails in front of me. And you, oh, oh, right, okay. Sorry, as if like, oh, that's a, that's a shock that I shouldn't be doing that. Anyway, she got the job. But I, I was like, yeah, wow. good for yeah, you. Like, yeah. you, you mm. have to call out that type of behaviour because that is just respect. And I think that yeah, totally. what a lot of people don't realise is, you know, they're saying... 25 30 actors every day coming in and doing whatever you know to them they probably don't remember you know 29 of them they only remember the one they want to cast but people put in such a lot of effort into their auditions they think about it they prep it they think about how they're going to do it they've got to walk into that room full of strangers and sit down it's almost like everything you do you remember so i've walked out of auditions before and i feel like i've been stripped naked because i feel that vulnerable yeah i feel like i've went in and i've given a part of myself i've opened myself up and i've done something in a scene and they just went thank you bye now i'm not saying that you know i'm not saying that they're, they're trying to be cruel it's just that if we don't start talking to each other and to cast and directors and directors and saying look that's kind of it's a it's a difficult space to be in when you mm. you're asking someone to open up like that and then you just say thank you get your coat goodbye. Mm. It just feels strange, you know. So you sort of have to protect yourself around those stuff. Yeah, that and that and that um, producer scrolling that would have been validated behavior because the previous two hundred people would have would have just uh, if that's me in there, I'd have just yeah, like ignored it and just like whatever. It needs to be called out, and until it is, nothing will change. And I think like it's give and take because you won't get that. When you've got a casting, that is your almost your day's work sometimes. I say you think about it, you travel, yeah. you're prepping it, you get nervous about it, and then you do it. And then afterwards you go home and you're analysing it and you're going back over it. And it, it becomes almost like a whole day's work. If, if there could be a better sort of culture in those casting rooms, because it it's that weird. If you get the job, then you get, you're get you working with directors and stuff and it's a collaboration. But there's still a collaboration going on in that casting, in the audition, really. And you get the best yeah. out of your performer if you make it comfortable. I've done a few advert casting re- recently, quite a lot on Zoom. And I've had some really lovely casting directors who, even over Zoom, have made me feel like I'm in the room with them, chatting away, laugh at my jokes, even if they're not very good. It makes me feel good, makes me feel relaxed. And then I've, I've given quite, a, you know, had a couple of sort of pencils and callbacks. Um, but that's few and far between. It's so few and far between. I had um, the most positive experience I've ever had is... Um, I auditioned for Ken Loach mm. and I, 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 wow. think, I think I was called back. It was either four or five times. Um, and every time he would give me feedback from the last one and tell me what he wanted from me in this one, which I found really helpful. Mm. And in the end, it didn't go my way. You know, it went to the other girl and that's totally fine. But he sent me a letter and a little book of poetry wow. just saying so nice to meet you it was a pleasure to have you in the rooms blah, blah, blah. and apparently this is what he does wow and i was I, I i was saying to my friend i was saying you know of course like i would have loved to have got the job and been in a ken loach film mm. but there's nothing about 
the experience of all of those auditions that made me feel bad in any way. I felt like he was interested. I felt like he was engaged. I felt like he was really, really looking at me with a view to, is she the right person for me? I can't make myself be the right person in an audition. But if somebody, if I feel like somebody's genuinely considering me, Mm. then that's, that's like job done. And I've never felt so seen before. It was really Mm. lovely. I was like, oh, that's how you audition people. But that yeah, is how you do it. That's amazing that that happened. That's so great. But it sucks that that's like, because you'll remember that forever now, but it forever. sucks that that mm. shouldn't be one of a hundred experiences you remember or, or even yeah. don't have to remember because it was one of many. Totally. Totally. And, I, and you know, and I, and I understand that, like, if it was something that happened every time, you'd be like, oh, another book of poetry. I didn't get the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on my shelf with all the yeah. others. Yeah, you see the book come through the post, you think, okay, I've not got it. You know, like, you know, through the keyhole, where they come into a room and it's just got loads of books of poetry. They'll be like, I think an actor lives here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, it was about... It, it's that's his way that's his personal way of doing it and you know if there's one thing you can say about ken loach is he does it his way yeah and it felt very personal and also he every time i auditioned we were in a different city because he was trying to make it fair for everyone oh amazing so not yeah. everyone always had to travel to london so we were, were in leeds or in manchester then we were in newcastle and i was like oh this guy's just <laughs> he's just so cool <laughs> Uh, that's, amazing. that's amazing and i imagine quite enriching not just for you because obviously you you know you've had that but i should imagine for him as well because he's you know he's been able to see you and how you act and perhaps maybe you know it's not over there's there's still a chance that ken yeah. might ring anytime and also just a, a privilege to sort of work with him because he yeah. genuinely works with you in the audition yeah. he works to try and get something you know there's there's nothing as we all know more disheartening than walking into an audition that you've really spent a long time preparing and sometimes they'll say you know prepare five scenes and you'll go in there you'll read one and they'll say thank you and you think mm. oh please just do me the, the the honor of letting me do at least the five that i've learned yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if you're not interested in me because <laughs> this like you say this is my job for the day just that i feel like as not just as like performers but as humans like we crave that kind of personal touch and that personal bit of attention and it doesn't cost much like you know those things that ken loach did for you doesn't doesn't really cost much and yet it means so much and i think not just in this industry but in many others like just sometimes that little personal touch can go such a long way even if it's just a smile or you know just little things think about that quite a lot like I'm really it's validation in it, Jim. It's, it's validation. validation yeah. I really overanalyze like how I interact with people. Like we're talking about cars off air. Like I was thinking about how do I call back the garage and tell them I don't want them to look at my car. And I was really overthinking like what do I say? And of course they don't care because they've got ten to do that day. But I was really thinking like I want to make sure I'm polite. I want to make sure I do the right thing. I just I don't know if I ever think that, but just to me it's important that kind of interaction. Yeah, I think about that all the time as well. I I. I really, I used to really struggle with it because I always want some sort of connection with whatever it is that's happening, even if it's buying a loaf of bread. 
It just makes me happier to have a connection with that person. And more often than not, and I do love London, but especially in London because it's overpopulated and that's the only reason you don't even often get eye contact. Mm. Um, And it used to then sort of bother me. So then it was putting me in more of a bad mood that I hadn't had good interactions. So then I had to sort of let that go and think, well, maybe if you get one good interaction out of ten, maybe you're winning then, you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. not it's not going to always be good. And then you're right. Like, it could, it could be anything, but I think it's just feeling seen. Yeah. Feeling seen by, by, by someone else is, is just a beautiful thing. And I've, I've learned just, just listening to people as well is a, a really great way to connect. If, when somebody wants to tell you something, no matter how, you know, straightforward or complex, just listening, just actually yeah. listening to them is uh, its like an incredible act of like humanity. You don't always even have to have an answer or say anything, just just listening. But that, that idea of feeling seen is so true because I am. Um... We live out in the countryside, very lucky, especially during lockdown. And I'll be able to, to run up and down our road and it's really beautiful and, and I feel very sort of grateful for that. But I'm the sort of person that when I run, if I pass anyone, I have, I have to put my hand up and give them a hello or afternoon, even if I feel like shit on the run, which is most days because running is awful. I have to. And then I almost sort of like count on the way back who says hello and who doesn't on the way back. <laughs> She like feels up- resentments on the way back. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I, I, but you're right, I want to be seen. So the older ladies that do their sort of, there's these two ladies that do sort of walking together, socially distanced, and they always say hello and they ask how my daughter is and they're lovely. Then there's this old guy, I don't know his name, who juggles, literally just walks on the road juggling, like sort of juggle stick. He is great. Where do you live? You live in some sort of like I, weird I, I live in circus, circus, circus field. Circus Soleil, Buckinghamshire. <laughs> um, but then it's funny, sometimes you won't, sometimes other runners will give me a little like awkward... They won't smile, but they give me a little awkward, like a bus driver's high five sort of thing. Um, cyclists won't. Cyclists are too in their zone. They just don't give you anything. Yeah. Um, and then dog walkers are normally the friendliest. Dog walkers are the other ones that will then almost try and stop. In. Yeah. But it's just interesting. I, I can't, if I feel rude, if, if, even, even though I'm running and I'm clearly got my headphones in doing something, I feel rude if I don't say hello to everyone Do on my route. You? Oh, that is interesting because that's like, that's sort of quite codependent, cool isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's need, needy. That. Needy is the word you're looking for, Jill. Yeah. Needy is, please, is the word. <laughs> please say hello to me. Please, please. But I like that interaction. Yes, I like the connection. Yeah. Your it's intention is really lovely, but mm, but if you if you feel like it's you have to, then that sort of takes the joy out of it a little bit. Like if you if you missed a couple of people out, would you feel mm. bad? Yeah, uh, exactly. Probably you know would I mean? feel bad. Yeah, yeah that, that sort of a that that gets problematic then. Yeah, that's it. Because you're, <laughs> God, you're, well, you're, we're unpacking you're, a lot here, aren't we? <laughs> well, no, but I was going to say you're starting to give yourself expectations. Yeah. So, you know, and, yeah. and that is what leads often leads to frustration. I don't mind. And also, that's I, yeah. more like a that's an action to get a reaction. That's yeah, like I, I if mind. I'm nice to that person, it means I'll get niceness back. True. Where the yeah. kind of most loving thing that we can do is just be nice without any expectation yeah, but that's I, hard yeah. it's hard i don't mm. mind actually if they don't say hello back I, I sort of might give myself a wry smile but i don't mind if people don't say hi back just but throw I a wry smile through their window on the window <laughs> yeah. i knew i knew they but wouldn't say they're getting eggs they are 35 are getting eggs um, yeah dog dead food spot <laughs> no i don't honestly don't mind because and we this has come up on the pod a lot and this is something that i've learned actually like recently but like people have their own shit going on 
So someone might not smile back because they've having a stressful day and it's their one exercise a day and they're thinking about stuff or whatever. So I don't mind if people don't say hi, but I do feel like I it's still my duty to say, to say. just a little wave and a smile. <laughs> you know, sometimes I say morning or whatever, but just it's but it's part of being a community. I'm I'm not from here. I only moved here three or four years ago. I want to be part of this little community. You're ingratiating yourself. I want to be part of this. It's Everyone the happy wavy so nice. running guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm that, that guy. Oh shit, I just realised they probably think I'm the weird, happy running guy. Me and the juggler, we're going to be ostracised massively from this society. Now, everyone's really nice around here. It is lovely. But I, just, I like the idea of feeling part of Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I like being part of a team, mm. I do. Yeah. Going back to the listening thing, I was, I was thinking about listening and... Um, how I think like listening's learning. You're always learning something when you're listening. And as an actor, you must be always kind of listening to conversations and people and seeing how people interact. Is that part, is that a big part of how you work? Yeah. I mean, we used to have it drummed into us at drama school that, you know, acting is reacting. It, so it really, mm. you know, it, it's all about listening. You know, <laughs> some, you know, you do hear some people say like they, they only read their lines. I mean, it's an old joke, but, you know, I think there's a bit of truth in it for some people. But yeah, I, you know, I, I love listening to people. I love listening to the rhythms of conversations. I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a sort of armchair expert type of person. So I like to sort of <laughs> unravel people's lives without them knowing that I'm doing it. Um, and I'll be like, oh yeah, really, they mean that. They said that, but they mean oh, God, that. I regret I love everything I just said. Running, running <laughs> oh, and waving God, at I people. Take back everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, I am, I'm constantly listening. In fact, Russell T. Davis said something really interesting. He said about, um, his dialogue he said dialogue comes really really naturally to him when he writes and he said he said he's like it's it's like he's constantly sort of banking dialogue so every interaction he has with someone rather than it being like they said that they said that and he sees words on a page he sees shapes Mm -hmm. so he'll have a conversation with a cabbie and it will have a certain shape to it you'll know the rhythm of how that went so i guess in 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 my job you know, I don't, I don't see them as shapes, but I certainly, I certainly pick up, I love rhythms. I like listening to the rhythm of people's speech and I love seeing, uh, what they do with their hands and their faces. And yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by interactions actually. I love them, even though I, I can, I find them sort of really awkward sometimes <laughs> as well. Like I can be a really awkward person. <laughs> Or when you act sort of silently analysing people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I forgot to speak. I'm analysing you. <laughs> but is that a big part of your process when you're, you know, when you're when you're preparing for a role? Are you you're thinking about all those things? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I mean, it's and it's the thing is, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, when you're when you're like Emma Stone or Scarlett Johansson, you know, you're you're able, you're going to, you're going to be able to take on roles where you have like nine months prep and you're probably going to be able to take on roles that are very, very, very different to the person that you are because Mm. you're Emma Stone. Mm. But you know, where I'm at at the moment is that people will kind of go, Oh, I know Jill. Jill sort of does that. Let's offer her some more of that. Mm. Now I'm not complaining because I, I like where I'm at. But 
you know, when you say to people that you you do research and you think a lot about the characters, that the, the sort of criticism that can be thrown back at you is like, well, you know, it's not like you've transformed. And it's like, well, the role didn't require me to transform. If it did, great. I would love nine months to go and train or transform or do this or that. But there's so many of us out there. And, mm. you know, when you sort of get a, a bit of a profile, it, it's then you get a profile yeah. for doing what you do, if that makes sense. Um, mm. I just don't want to sound like I'm complaining because the no, worst no, no, thing no, in the no, world no, is like, like the, the whingy actor. But it's, you know, so, but yeah, like uh, I, I love thinking about, what is she about and and what are her intentions and and why would somebody do that and god i would never do that so what's different about the way she thinks to the way i think and yeah that's the fun part yeah well i'm interested in that process because obviously things come to you you know a script is fairly formed Mm -hmm. but but obviously you're coming up with your own kind of take on it as well. And that's kind of obviously when you've done a, you know, if you've done a reading or whatever, then obviously the director and the producer have seen that in you and they want your input, you know, it becomes that collaboration. But how much do you have, um, I'll word this, how much of you can you put in there, like your ideas and your concepts is, I guess it, it varies from project to project, but, and working with certain filmmakers, obviously, or, or, or TV directors, whatever, they give you that, you know, they will, they will give you that, um, that range of, you know, of, of extras that you can do. But, uh, is there, is there points where you can really put a lot of your ideas, your own ideas in there? Yeah. So I think that what, what will happen is once you're cast, you have obviously been cast because there are certain qualities that you bring to that role that they want. But for instance, I went up for something, um, quite recently, and really helpfully, the casting director said to me, okay, so this is what you naturally bring. This is what you naturally bring when you walk in a room is this warmth, she said, and openness. So you've got that. So when you do your recall, don't you don't need to bring any more of that. Otherwise, it'll be too much. Okay. Oh, so what yeah. you need to do is you need to take the part of the character that is a bit more disconnected and a bit more, a bit colder and a bit more held. So that was, that. does that make sense? So yeah, once you're cast, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's yours to play with. So that's what you can do. So you have varying different degrees. So you're talking to the director and you're saying, okay, so this is what I'm thinking. I'm going to go this road. And they might say, love it. Or they might say, actually, you already do that. So can you give me a bit of this instead? So that's that's kind of where you're sort of the nuances of what you're playing with. It's just mm. about what you've already got and then what you can then either take away from what because they might say, look, you're 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 let's just say you're too friendly, like you you're too open. Absolutely, that doesn't work for us for this character. You need to close right up. So it's about knowing what to shut down and then what to open up, what to give more of, what to give less of. And it's just like, it's like tweaking the, the sort of like the buttons on a, you know, on an amp. Mm. It's like a bit more yeah. bass, less treble, you know, it's like that kind of <laughs> Take idea. Take it up to 11. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, 11. That is, a, is that, I mean, that sounds like really good sort of, you know, directing and good notes and stuff like that. Uh, 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 
I actually wouldn't mind that in real life. I'd like someone on a walk into a room to say, all right, Jim, you bring a lot of neediness now. If you could just dial that down a little bit, or if you could Stop. just... If you could just wave at every other person, <laughs> exactly. that would be great. Wouldn't that be helpful like, in life situations? Someone just to say, but right now, just you know, tone this down, be a bit less weird, you know, do that kind of... That'd be, that'd be amazing. That'd be I so actually, helpful. I actually think it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, when people are like, I've started a new job and I don't understand why people don't like me, and they're like, if you could just take your treble down to four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pump up your base. Yeah, pump up. Maybe make a few more. It's teas. true, isn't yeah. it? Because you you see people sometimes who really struggle, and they they don't know why they struggle. Yeah. But you can sort of see. Mm. Oh, it's because there's a there's a there's a certain energy that you give off that is so misinterpreted. And I know that it's not really that. I know in what your real intention is. But yeah, you're right. If if we could go to like a little sort of school where they were like, okay, you're too much of this, but you're not enough of that. <laughs> or like you know, like in football matches when Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville do their analysis at half time. You don't like you want someone like that. Well, I'll take you aside now. So what you're doing here is you're giving off too much of a sort of like you're trying too hard here. If you could just like yeah, dial yeah. that back. I think really helpful. Actually, it's funny you say that. It made me think of a previous job I had in a previous life of someone in that office who did, did, did that exact thing, like just gave off the wrong vibe and the heart was in the right place and the intention was right and it just it rubbed people the wrong way. And actually now I look back and think maybe we should have said something or I should have said something. But it's hard in those situations to, well, I to think do we that. We do that possible. to ourselves, don't we? We do so sort of post-match analyse. Yeah. You know, we said earlier, like <laughs> conversations and things. We kind of do that, probably do it after this, after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we never brought up yeah. that, that stuff about the running. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I don't regret it. I don't regret it. <laughs> it's improved me as a person. Stick with it. Stick with it. <laughs> But we do that. But actually, maybe it would be helpful. But how would we take it? That's the thing. How would we take it when people actually tell us exactly how we are and what things we could change? Mm. I think we'd be. I think we'd find it quite difficult. Mm. I mean, ultimately, really, even this podcast itself does kind of do that, doesn't it? Because what we're doing is we're talking about like who yeah. we are, where we're at. So we are. If you are interested in that sort of thing, you're sort of constantly doing it. And I mean, it's kind of what therapy is as well, isn't mm. it? You yeah. you walk out of the hour and you go. Oh, that's a bit of a twat, wasn't it? I think I need to be less of a twat. <laughs> you know? So I think you, you sort of like, you fiddle with your own knobs. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, out of context, um, yeah. There's, there's someone just tuning in now. Like, what is, that's what this podcast was about, like, moments. What are they what are talking about? <laughs> it's got an explicit rating on this podcast. <laughs> Definitely gonna have that little ear. So. Um, <laughs> Giles, we have uh, something exciting to announce here in the middle of the podcast, um, and that is that we are launching blank merchandise. It's official. No way. Proper, proper merchandise. <laughs> proper merchandise. So if our listeners would like to buy blank merchandise, they can go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank. And you can get, well, you can get a range of things, can't you? You can get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs. What else? Baby grows? Baby grows. Because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of babies out there that love the blank podcast. Um, I know mine does. Um, and you can also get, the, we've got various um, designs, didn't we? We've got one that's got our blank logo on, uh, and then mm-hmm. we've got two that are inspired by pod guests. Yeah, one of them was inspired by Rebecca Callard, who was on, I think, the eighth episode of the Blank Pod, mm. and hers was to do with her video collection, which we were 
talked about at some length and we thought that what video library which was the video shop i worked in back in the 90s was an excellent name for a romantic <laughs> band of the 1980s <laughs> yeah and then you made this uh, this great uh, what looks like album cover of you and me with um hair from flock of seagulls um so we mm-hmm. thought you know what let's make that into a design so you can get that on t-shirts and hoodies and, and sweatshirts and then we've got one that's inspired by sanjeev baskar when he talked about the three different stages of blank fearful blank neutral blank and happy blank and we've turned that into a design as well so um we've got various uh, designs that people can can get um and in different colors as well I'm, I'm very excited by this charles i'm really excited it feels like we're a proper thing now it does indeed um so if our listeners would would like to buy some merch um the t-shirts for example are 18 quid um the hoodies are 27 quid uh the tote bags are 17 quid and mugs are 15 quid and of course we do get a small cut as well of of everything that's sold so if you'd like to support the pod um then you can do it in this way and you'll get yourself some exclusive blank merchandise so go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank but i was gonna say does that does that in like I was thinking, like, do you learn more about yourself as a person because you're an actor? Like, does it help in that yes, way? Yes, I think it does. But I don't know what it's like to be a fireman. Of course. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but so the, the sort of constant searching and questioning of motivation and intention and who that person is, yeah, has definitely got me to learn more about myself but I think then the conversely to that too much introspection and too yeah. much questioning has left me paralyzed sometimes mm. yeah it, oh uh, you know like you say like walking away from a conversation and deconstructing it for an hour yeah yeah but they they held their hand up and they and, and they and, and they rubbed their top lip at that moment in time and I think that meant that yeah. you mean who cares do you? <laughs> like <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's too much sometimes like the 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 deconstruction is is too much and i have to be careful about that sometimes it stops me from being in the present moment yes and the Mm. present moment is just that every single time i open my mouth i'm sure there'll be things that i sort of say and then i think why did i say that but so what yeah i've said it like it's fine like no one no one got hurt as long as as long as you're not hurting people then you know you just it's just like just trying to be a human, aren't you? Mm. Let, letting that stuff go is 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 powerful, but it's so difficult. Just being surrendering able to let... is the hardest thing for me to yeah. just surrender to the who I am, what I am. You know, I was talking to some friends quite recently about as you get older, and I really mean this in a positive way. But you you learn your limitations because you know when I was younger, <clears throat> I would see people doing whatever they were doing. And I think I could do that. I could do that. No, I can't. <laughs> it's just like, I can't do that. That's, that's not within me. I mean, maybe it would be within me if somebody gave me years and years of training, but they haven't like, and there's something actually really joyous for me about knowing that it's like, you, you've got limits, Jill. <laughs> there are things that you can't do. And there are many, many people who can do many, many things far better than you. And I'm okay with that today. I would still rather be able to do them, but I'm okay with just being okay because my self-esteem used to take such a beating 
for not being able to be brilliant at everything. Well, first of all, mm. that's a really dull person who tries to be brilliant at everything. Like, they are the person who people go, oh, God, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I spent a lot of time sort of thinking that, to be honest with you, just that I was unlovable if I wasn't good enough at everything. Mm. And I never seemed to have those expectations of the people I was loving. So yeah. I got to the point where I was like, well, if I don't need that of the person I'm in love with, why do they need that of me? So I just started to try and sort of take the heavy coat off and empty the pockets yeah. a bit and just yeah. be like, just get rid, get yeah. rid of the crap, Jill, because the crap that you're carrying is stopping people from really seeing who you are. And today I'm just a bit more comfortable with like my flaws and my character defects and and my limitations like uh you know I, i'm just a bit more all right with it and, and that and, and trying to be someone who's good at everything and you know quote unquote perfect is tiring as hell bloody oh, it's really, hell yeah, it really is, isn't it yeah it's not worth the effort it's just not worth it because we- i was trying to work out the because I, I was thinking well okay so what's the difference between like always wanting to be better and, 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 and sort of aspiring. And then, then I was thinking, well, if you never, if you never aspire to be better, how do you improve? So what's the difference between that sort of need to be better and just sort of your own development? Hmm. And the, the Brené Brown book that I was reading, Darren Greatly, she was saying that if you aspire to be better because you think that will give you a free pass from pain it mm. will make you more lovable and it will people will accept you more that's the wrong yeah. way to do it if you are just improving because you think i just want to be a better singer mm. uh, i just want to dance a bit better or i want to act a bit you know whatever i'm thinking then that as long as i do it without any expectation that that will make my life better then that's the right intention so i feel like i've got that sorted in my head a bit more now because mm. i always struggled with that like about wanting to reach for something but then being passive i was like oh how do you how do you balance between the two but, but i think balance is the word i mean we, we, this comes up a lot on the podcast but like but life is a balance like you're you're never going to be <laughs> to go back to the uh, dial thing <laughs> dialing the knobs that's great um you're never going to be at 11 everything you know what i mean and most amps aren't most amps are a one and a two and a five and a ten and whatever and and that that's that that balance equals a good you that's know, how you get the perfect sound that. isn't it to, to balance those things yeah. out and that, I've just, as i'm saying saying this i'm really that's just a great analogy i might write this down um but that's that's life isn't it finding you that balance it off jill though collaboration collaboration um and and you know what i find i'm sure you guys feel the same but there's nothing more beautiful than sort of seeing somebody who isn't brilliant at something but is either trying to be really good at it or who just brings a quality of joy to what they're doing. And that's what I enjoy the most. So Mm. I don't need to see the best, whatever. I need to see that the person who's doing it is having the best time. Mm. And then I am in, there's nothing more charismatic than me watching somebody just love what Mm. they do. Like, and that's the other thing I've realized. It's like sort of, 
being perfect or or being a, a, a perfectionist is is really sort of a self-sabotaging yeah. way of living oh, your life, isn't it? You're never, ever going to be happy yeah. if you're a perfectionist. No. Can I direct you to my YouTube channel, Jill, where I sing parody football songs um, from, from a man <laughs> who cannot sing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brilliant. But does it with, you know, joy and passion. With a plum. I think, I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There's, there's something quite freeing in in yourself and other people just having fun with whatever they're doing. And if they're not great, they're not great. But so what? can't be great yeah. but, they, like, but like you say Jason, there's a joy in that there's a joy in seeing just seeing people in, loving what they do and you know doing doing what they do oh. to the best of their ability you know that, that whether actually, that's you know being good or not sorry Charles that brings me back on brand actually for this conversation because that's why I love Strictly because on Strictly you get you get some people who, who are brilliant great but you get and you get some who are terrible and you get loads in the middle who aren't brilliant but they just they go for it. And the judges always give them good scores if they just totally go for it. And, that, you know, obviously I'm talking about it strictly, which you'll know well. But I just that's why I just I think that's one of the reasons yeah. I like that show. People go for it. And you can see the they, joy on people's they faces. You see the joy. Like, this, it's very rare that somebody doesn't get to the end of that programme and say, I mean, so cliche, but I, I really believe people mean it when they say it. it's been one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Because, and I, I say this all the time, like, dancing is just what every single baby does you don't really see many babies who don't react to music and then at some point somewhere in your life you either feel too embarrassed or you've been shamed when you've been doing it you've been embarrassed whatever you kind of stop dancing but there's we are meant to move we are meant to move we were born to move our bodies so it is really interesting when you watch people like you say on that on that sort of strictly journey as they Mm. say but they just like it's like they've peeled away a layer of themselves and they just become it's like you can sort of like their hearts like open up does that sound a bit cheesy but that's what it feels like it's like you're going oh my god they're (laughs) just alive they're like living it feels really i think i think that's the addictive quality of that show yeah i get the sound i get the same i bring up this on the podcast a lot but i get the same from rupaul's drag race is a oh similar. my god, I love it! It's, uh, we know, I know someone in the second UK series. Who? Tia Coffee is a friend is, of Mara- Tia. Tia is in a three-piece drag act called the Vixens, and they performed at our wedding in the reception wedding reception oh, two years ago. Amazing! Tia is or Lawrence, one of the best people we know, and incredible performer. Do you know what it that that show? So when my um. When my partner died, it was it was it j- just gone four years ago. Actually, it was just his anniversary. And um, my sister, about I don't know, it was maybe about six months after he died. I was like, oh, you know, I need something to watch on the TV with my son, and I kind of just want something fun and 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 sort of nourishing. And she was like, if you watched RuPaul's Drag Race, and I was like, well, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be into that. She went, honestly, just give it a try. I mean, that was it. Yeah. We were fully in. We've watched like every season, all yeah. the All Stars at yeah. least three times. Yeah. We've been to drag cons. Oh, My amazing. son has been in drag at least five times. Amazing. Like <laughs> he, he, he had his own drag name. Like he. Oh, what was, was his was drag name? Serpentina. Fantastic. Nice. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and I think, I think that that that's. I mean, what what? Right. I mean, it's just a good show anyway. But I was thinking about. It's something about releasing 
another part of yourself that perhaps mm. the world doesn't get to see. And obviously these people can do it through drag. Mm. Other people do it through different art forms. But there's just something about the drag that is just, it's such a visual mm. cue that someone is about to step into another part of themselves. And mm. I love that. I, I love the idea of like, like our shadow selves. I love the idea that there's huge chunks of ourselves that we are probably maybe too embarrassed or too ashamed to show people. And there's such a freedom in drag where it's almost like anything goes, isn't it? Mm, mm. And sometimes they fall flat on their face. Like they are terrible, but you know what? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Because no. they've they've given it a go, and yeah. it's like I have so much respect for them just giving it a go. Even there's so many. Have you seen the Canadian Drag Race? Yes, that oh was my God, brilliant. It's, it's messy as hell, but I love it. It's so messy, but it's brilliant. And then there's yeah. also one celebrity drag race. Have you seen that? But American somebody celebs. told me about that. Now, what's uh, it like? I'm not sure. It's uh, it depends who the celebs are. Okay. And different episodes are better than the others, but there's a couple where they get male celebs doing drag, straight male celebs doing drag, and, like, the the the, the transformation is amazing, and they just really... There's one guy's, like, a quite uptight comedian, and he just, like, blossoms. And it's absolutely beautiful. And it's just... And what I love about drag is, and especially uh, uh, Drag Race, is the love and respect on that show. I mean, they bitch about each other, and there is so much tea and shade thrown all over the place, but... The love and respect that they have for each other is incredible, and I just think it's yeah, it's it's essential viewing for me. Who who's your favourite across the like? You just you could only have one. Probably Trixie Mattel. Oh, good choice, good Trix choice. Is ve Do you want to guess who mine is? Very funny person. Um, I'll give you fifty quid if you can guess first time who mine is. <laughs> the pressure's over on Zoom. Her. I'll give is you fifty quid over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my PayPal link. <laughs> Um, oh, oh god I'm going to go with a, I'm just going to go with a big one um, Bianca Del Rio No but I do like Bianca It's Sharon Needles Oh oh, Sharon Needles yes. I yeah, loved yeah. I was obsessed with. I met Sharon Needles Really? That. Yeah I went to see them perform um, Where was it? It was uh, somewhere in London And they did like a sort of uh, You know meet and greet Yeah And I was literally queuing up With like loads of teenage girls <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, I feel really embarrassed, but I couldn't help myself, and I just, I, I was, I was, I was really starstruck. Really? I was like, yeah, because but they're big personalities. I, I fell yeah, in yeah. love with this drag queen Sharon Needles. I, I, I just thought she was the most amazing thing, and she's sort of quite political as well, and she's very intelligent and yeah. very funny. But um, yeah, it was brilliant. It was Sharon really Needles is quite an earlier season, isn't it? Because the yeah. first season I saw, I think was. 10 9 or 10 so I'm, I'm a bit behind yeah she's early there's she's another four. show sorry Charles to dominate <laughs> the no, drag. you keep going um there's another show have you seen the show we are here it's uh, it was only on netflix last netflix i think last year and it's shangela yes bob, i've seen the, it bob the drag queen and oh one more i can't remember um um uh, is it davenport no, no. it's um Anyway, I anyway, have seen it, and, and I go, thought it was all right. Oh, I quite liked it because they go to towns and they sort of put yeah. people in drag, and um, it was it was all right. But it get it gets a bit sort of too cheesy for me when they sort of go, oh, like let's take a a normal person and put them in drag, and oh, that's lovely, it, and that 
relationships change now with their daughter. I, I just like seeing the actual drag queens like <laughs> yeah. be the best. Yeah. I like, yeah. I, the problem with that, the TV I shows like it that is, it becomes a bit soap opera when you do. Yeah. Well, it depends who you stuff, get. It? it depends who. Some of them are really genuine. Some of them think the producers have worked really hard to get an episode out of this one. Like, it, it obviously Definitely. depends what you get. But I don't know. I'm, a, I'm basically obsessed with drag. Is what I'm just trying to <laughs> say. I think, <laughs> just think it's brilliant. Just think it's brilliant. I've never done drag. I have. I dressed up sort of in semi drag or in makeup once for a YouTube video I did. I'll send you guys a photo because I actually looked fit as fuck. Basically. What was your name? I don't. I don't have a drag name. I didn't have for this video, but I was well, thinking about you this. need to work on. But I think it should be Miranda something. I was thinking yeah, about this definitely. recently. No, I, th- I was thinking about. I'm sort of toying with the name Goo Ramekin. Um, Goo Ramekin. Goo Ramekin. You know, like the Goo Ramekin. Because you get the Goo Ramekin. Oh, the Ramekin balls yeah. and Goo. Ah, Goo Ramekin. What would yours be, Giles? Oh God. Give me a few minutes. I'll think of something. Okay. I saw one tweeted, and it was someone's drag name was Georgia Tazda. Georgia Tazda. I just love any <laughs> any punny that's name amazing. like that. I'd love that. I yeah. was just thinking of my, you know, these chefs have come up with your porn name, you know, yeah. it's your dog and then your yeah. mum's uh, Trixie Carpenter. So that would would that work <gasps> as a drag name? Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. yes. Trixie yeah. Carpenter, yes. then that would be mine. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is excellent. That is Trixie Carpenter. <laughs> Brilliant. Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed. Uh, Giles, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah, we've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time tell us about their own situations their own experiences of blank moments and sometimes that can be from a personal life from their career the relationships they're in or maybe it's a public situation yeah i mean it really it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything social anxiety imposter syndrome just sort of generally being off form having an identity crisis i mean it's all part of the human condition and yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless yeah so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod so whether it's uh, public failure social anxiety fear mental health grief all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast yeah i mean and those guests include louis theroux david harbour reggie hunter dawn french rachel paris amanda abington john ronson rufus sewell gary lineker all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments and what we've done is we've dived into them um explained how we relate to them talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us and we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstoners.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out.
but I was going to say, like, we're obviously talking about joy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that something you've tried to work into into your acting as well? Because I mean, obviously, you know, it's a serious. You know, it shouldn't take away from it, but 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 putting something in of that joy and love of the of the art. Yeah, because like we were saying earlier, when when all you're focused on is is the end result or pleasing mm-hmm. other people, it takes the joy out of the job. So now I really, really try to to have gratitude. I mean, you know, people talk about it all the time these days, but honestly, it's just like I have mm-hmm. gra- wow, I'm so grateful I'm working. I'm grateful mm-hmm. to be here today. Yes. I've been working for 13 hours and I'm freezing cold or I'm whatever, but my God, how lucky am I that I get to do this job? So I do try and do that. And I I think I've been able to bring joy to my work once I let myself off the hook about being, again, quotation marks, perfect, whatever that may be. Because I was so bothered about, you know, what people thought that it just paralyzes you. You know, like, as we know, like comparison is the thief of joy, isn't it? Yeah. It just, it takes away your creativity and it takes away your courage because you sort, you have to be really courageous if you want to get joy out of acting because you sort of have to drop all notions of who you think you are and allow something to come out that somebody might, once they've said cut, say, what are you doing? But you have to sort of roll with that and go, mm. Um, well, I was trying something and if the director is, is a good director, they'll say, okay, um, I liked that little bit, keep that, but the rest of it, let's just get rid of, you know, you, if you have a director that sort of shames you, then mm. that will very much stop you from being able to mm. find joy. I think you'll always just be playing it safe. Like at drama school, I remember a teacher saying like the best actors are the actors that are capable of being truly awful are truly brilliant because their truly awful performances meant that they went out on a limb. They tried something. Mm. It didn't work, but they were prepared to go somewhere dangerous or, you know, um, different. Whereas, you know, I, I sort of was, was too tentative when I was younger. I was too, too bothered about doing the right thing. And now I'm a bit, less bothered mm. i think but i think in anything creative you have to you will know that deep down in your gut like what feels right and what feels worth following and you just go for it and as you say if it's terrible well at least you, you went for it and you learn and you do something different but when you sort of stay safe and i'm such a hypocrite for saying this because i very very <laughs> much do that with all my creativity but if you stay safe you don't really evolve you don't really learn you don't really don't go anywhere don't try stuff it's okay to be it's okay to be shit at stuff it's okay to put in an awful performance anyone that's seen my sunday league football career will know that that happens regularly it's okay because then you come back you come back and you do it again or you do it differently so it's i mean i'm amazed when i watch like young people (laughs) oh young people (laughs) um on things like tiktok Mm. and i think is that it (laughs) is that what you're putting out there? Like some weird hand dancing. And then I think, but why not? Like they're just having fun. They're just enjoying it again. Like my judgmental, like you need to be at a certain level head. It's like, well, it's not even, it's not even like, like sort of well edited. 
And it's like, Jill, that, that's not what they're doing yeah. this for. They're mm. just used to being on camera. They're used to putting things out there. Whether or not that comes to any good or not, that, that, that's not for me to judge. But, you know, I just, yeah, it's just being free. Sort of just, I've, I've started to feel more free. And that is a good feeling because for a long time, I did feel sort of quite trapped in myself. It was like I I was always like stuck in sort of second gear. Mm-hmm. I desperately, desperately, desperately wanted to sort of break free. But I, I didn't have this the courage or the know-how. And and I thought it was about I needed to acquire more. I needed to acquire more skill, more experience, more this. And actually what I really needed to do was get rid of things. I needed to get rid of ideas, notions, expectations. And and then I'm just it's more authentic then. Yeah. Then I then I'm just like, well, well, this is it. Yeah. This is what I got. <laughs> and that frees me up, you know. And you know you know more than you really think you know. There's more inside you that no, actually knows what you're doing, you know, mm. what you're about. Mm. Then you realise that you're totally right. We build up these layers and we build up these other things on top of it. But actually when you strip it away, you realise, oh, I, I can do this. So I do know what I'm talking about. Well, this feels more comfortable. This feels better. It, yeah. is, it is in there. And that, that's quite an empowering thing to, you know, remind yourself. Definitely. Well, did you always want to be an actor? Sorry. Um, yes, I did. I, I all, from, from as long as I can remember, I wanted to be an actor. Like it's, I remember, I remember being in a production of Annie when I was 10, I want to say 10, 10, 11. And I remember lying on the stage with like my crumpled script. It was a really bad photocopy of this script. I think my mom had got it done at the library for me or something. And, uh, I just remember, like, the cold, like, stage of my cheek. And I literally remember thinking, I never want to be anywhere else but here. Wow. Like, this is, like, my happy place. I just, I just, I loved being part of productions. I loved rehearsal rooms. I loved getting to know new people. I loved the build-up to a production. I, I just loved everything about it. And maybe, maybe when I, as I'm saying that out loud, Maybe those were the days that I had less expectation on myself as well, mm. where just the pure, pure love and joy of it was there. And then when it became an actual job where people were paying me to do it, maybe that's when I started to mm. close up a bit and think, oh, I don't know enough. I-, I need to know more. I- I'm not as good as that person. So it's been like a a lifelong journey of getting back to that girl who just goes, this is just brilliant, isn't yeah. it? This is just really cool. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, it's something that we we talked to Sanjeev Bashkar about. He said that it was always the journey. We always need to enjoy the journey of something. Mm. Um, the end result is generally like pff, it's whatever. Like it's it, you know whatever it, may, it might be that you're wanting to win an award or um, or once a project's over, obviously you go on to the next project. So it's do, the thing you're doing at that moment is the most precious thing that you need to kind of try and retain that totally. as much as possible totally and it's the same with with anything in your life it is always about that mm. always 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 about that but I, I you know again like dogged by expectations throughout my life like always 
wondering what it's going to be like, what the feeling is going to be like when we have open a night or we finish our press night or what it's going to feel like at the end of the show. Like I'm all, I was always in either the future or the past. And yeah, like the journey, like the, the doing of it, that's the thing that as anybody in an artistic profession, that's what you should be enjoying. How did I feel when I was there? How did I feel when I did it? Not what did that critic say about me? Mm, yeah. Or what did that yeah. person, you know, what opinion did they have about my um, performance? Like, you know, Brené says in that book I'm reading, like, if you're not in the, if you're not in the arena, shut up. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, why mm. would you listen to the opinion of someone who isn't even doing it? Yeah. Mm. You know, but um, I just think it takes a while to get there. But the, the journey is certainly the, the part that, that, you know, you have to focus on for sure. Yeah, those those opinions, those opinions. I think that as well. Like I, it's really hard, especially on social media and you know anything online, to shut out those opinions of people that aren't saying nice things about you. But I kind of think if, if an opinion comes from someone that I care about, that I love or I care yes. about, and I want that opinion because that person's opinion matters to me and I respect them, then great. But that's literally about five people in the entire world. So right, why am I so worried about these? People the stranger yeah. who you've mm. never met. I know. And I mean, I know you'll have heard this phrase, but I do love it. Like opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's <laughs> got one. Like, yeah, you know, it's just true. like the, there's, there's no amount. There's, I, I can literally pick up my phone now and get a hundred opinions on something like that. I don't know these people. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what's going on in their lives. Like you said yeah. at, at the beginning, everyone's got something going on. And to try and please everybody all of the time is is a life of misery. Yeah. Mm. It's just miserable. Yeah. So I have to ask myself now, is it a job I want to do? Is it going to bring, do, do, do I think it's going to bring me joy? Um, do I think it's going to work for my family situation? Yeah. Um, and, you know, then I'll think about, like, is it a good move, like, career-wise as well? But... More and more now, I think, do I want to do it? Not what will other people think? Yeah. And it's just sort of, I think it's an easier and a much more genuine way to make decisions now, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. That, that, that's, that's a decision that comes from the heart or comes from your gut rather mm -hmm. than any external mm -hmm. influence. And... and my gut is like, I've always had very, very strong instincts I think I've I think I've got good intuition yeah. and the amount of times I've ignored it mm -hmm. is shocking. Mm -hmm. Like I, I actually um, it takes my breath away how many times I've ignored my intuition about people, places, things. I, I have just steamrolled over my gut <laughs> and just went bye bye. See you later. <laughs> Put you in the cupboard, you know, and it's I just really I really try hard now to go, right, I know what's happening here in in my head. I know what the thoughts are and all the thoughts have judgments and opinions. They've all got little, you know, my little demons as well. But what, 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 what is my stomach? What is my gut telling me? And it does usually point me in the right direction, you know? Yeah. Well, I used to consider my gut having shit for brains, but, um, <laughs> yeah. 
Did but you? actually, <laughs> but, yeah, literally. But actually, um, I remember hearing a thing with a, uh, a guy, an explorer, who'd, who'd gone and worked with a tribe, in an Aboriginal tribe, and he said everything that they do is, um, I can't remember the term they use, but basically every decision they make within the tribe, they, they use their gut decision first. Because what they said happens is we have these three brains basically we have our gut brain we have our heart brain and we have our head brain and what happens is you have those initial feelings in your gut and then they get filtered through our hearts and our heads Mm. and by the time they get to our brains we've 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 messed up the initial feeling because we've we our hearts come into play you know and that obviously you know our heartstrings are always pulling on certain directions and then our brains obviously we overthink things we start to analyze things in a different way and actually that gut instinct that initial feeling that we have mm. is normally the correct one yeah i mean that makes that's so much sense yeah. to me and that's why i'm so passionate about making sure that whatever whatever you i have that has happened to me in my life that i've struggled with i'm really passionate about processing that whether that be something I can do myself or whether that's therapy whether that's group therapy whether that's going on some sort of course or or, or reading a book it doesn't matter to me but what matters to me is that I try to understand it because like you were saying if if, if I don't then I'll never be able to listen to the gut because it will all be the, the 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 gut and the heart and the head will all all get mixed up. Yeah. And mm. then you see people paralyzed. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm paralyzed with indecision. It's yeah. like because you're listening to all three. Yeah, yeah. And it's not all three that you need to listen to. Sometimes you might need to make a decision purely with your head. And you just go, I'm, I'm, I'm making that for this reason and this reason alone. But when it comes to, I mean, look, if I'm skint, I'm just going to make a decision to do a job for the money. Yeah. Easy. But mm. if I'm not in that position, then it might be, oh, no, I, f- I feel like I'll really enjoy this. Or mm. I might go with my heart and say, I don't necessarily think it's the right job, but I love the person I'm going to be doing yeah. it with. Yeah. And I want to spend time with them. And I know that will make me happy. But as long as I know which one is mm. is informing me, that's all right. But that's about, like, I'm so passionate about getting to know like what my thoughts are and also you've got to kind of watch out for like the double thought haven't you like you think you're thinking <laughs> a certain thing and you're like yeah mm, but yeah. behind that yeah. is fear and the only reason you're thinking that is because you're fearful of doing it so if you were to say to yourself would i if there was no chance of me being in any danger whatever would i do that yes okay all oh, right okay so if i remove the fear then i can see it more clearly so i love i love experimenting with all of those things and you know and, and thinking and chatting about them to people who are also interested because <laughs> not everyone is <laughs> we are um, <laughs> I'm I'm there is, uh, yeah i'm really into that there sort of stuff. is also scientific uh proof i guess about the gut and i'm completely the wrong person to talk about this uh, charles did it come up on the pod before i can't remember but there is scientific reason as to why your gut feeling is so strong and often right and i can't remember what it is but there is Something about the gut. I'm, I'm, I'm b- b- 
butchering this explanation. Um, but there is something about the gut where it is. Well, it, it's, isn't it about just a, a really primal idea yes, that you have to sense actually, danger? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it's just like yeah. literally when we were hunters yeah. and gatherers, mm. you, you had to know when you were in danger. It was so, I mean, the life was quite simple. You had to mm. eat and you had to sleep mm. and you had to know when you were in danger. So, you know, it's that, it's that idea. But yeah, I just think that, you know, we're, we're sent a lot of mixed messages these days and there's a lot of opinions floating around all the time and it's not I struggle these days with sort of a lack of nuance around mm. discussions well I was going to say about like social media 100%. how do you find because obviously you, you know I know you're on Twitter with each other on Twitter but yeah how do you find that as a working actor is it a necessary evil I really struggle with it I really struggle I, I struggle whether to just bow out completely and just be like, I'm done, uh, it's not for me. Or whether to sort of, you know, at the minute, like, you know, keep one foot in, one foot out and, and, and be mm. there for when I need to and be able to talk about things. Or if people ask me questions, I I, I don't like to ignore people. Mm. Um, but I don't like the, I, it becomes a, I don't know, it feels, if Twitter feels angry to me. It feels like people like to shout yeah. at each other. Yeah. And you know, I, I would just love a discussion, a debate. Yeah. I, I feel like there are certain things that you're just not even allowed to discuss anymore because to, to even bring it up is like the end. Yeah. And I, that, I think, is a very dangerous place to be in, in society. I think that we have to be able to discuss things. And if people start getting frightened of even opening their mouths, then you know what's going to happen. People are then going to go off in factions and start yeah. whispering about it to each other. Yeah, yeah. People aren't just going to keep quiet. They're going to go, do you want to talk about the thing I want to talk about? Okay, we're going to have to yeah. set up a secret little group. But like That's what happens. And I just think it's really unnecessary. Like We can chat, can't we? We can talk. But we, we would down the pub. I've, I, I think, unfortunately, Twitter has become a space okay. where, unfortunately, that sort of nuance, as you say, isn't really available. But down the pub, if you're down the pub with your mates around a table and... One of you thought one thing, one of you thought the other, and they, they were sort of polarising. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't shout at each other. You'd say, oh, no, it's not this, mate, it's this. Oh, okay, well, I see what you're saying, but actually, I think this. But on Twitter, there just isn't... And maybe it's because we can't see each other. We can't see our faces. Yeah. Or we can't mm. hear the voices or something. But that sort of some of those connections that aren't there lead to a discourse that is just not uh, balanced, I guess. And uh, I, yeah, yeah it's difficult. and I think people really catastrophize. Like, so they'll say, if you think this, yeah. this is what will happen. Yeah. Maybe I've just done it then by saying, oh my God, if we don't <laughs> do it, people will go off in groups. But th- then there's a, then you're like a rabbit in headlights. Yeah. Whereas, like you say, like that really good old fashioned down the pub chat debate, yeah. you know, it's like that's where. You know, that's where it all started, didn't it? Town squares. Yeah. People met to discuss ideas. That yeah. was the idea. The thinkers would come together and say, I think this, you think that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and that's what then pubs have become. And and actually, that's what's probably missing the most within this pandemic now, this idea of getting together and, and mm. discussing ideas. I mean, you know, thank God for Zoom, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm never off it. But, you know, I don't think, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, when my son is at his father's, I'm here on my own. So if I don't connect with yeah. even just an exercise class on Zoom at least once a day, that means I don't see anybody at all. Yeah. And I'm not 
I'm not, I don't love the phone. No, not, I don't. I, yeah. I actually get really no. panicky when someone rings and I, I quite often same. don't answer I get, it. I don't know if it's a childhood thing. I get really nervous yeah. that it's going to be some bad news. I think yeah. that's what yeah. it is. I think it's yeah. just like, oh, God, what's happened now? Do you let it go to voicemail? And think if, it's import- if it's important, it'll be a voicemail and I'll pick it up. Mm. That's what I think and I don't. Yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's, tr- it's, it's strange, isn't it? But, yeah, mm. a lot of people are like that now. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's just... Maybe because a- it feels like almost like an old technology in a way. Like, we, we, I guess, you know, even like WhatsApp and stuff, we video call often and it's not a... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I but don't I get panicked about, panic so about that as well. <laughs> but you, Charles, you called me the other day, actually, randomly. A video called me on WhatsApp the other day, randomly. And even then, I was mm. a bit, oh, God, what's happened? What's up? And you were just calling for chat. And it was the nicest thing. And we had a lovely little chat catch up. But even then, I was like, what's happened? What's going on? And that's, that's <laughs> on me. That's my reaction to these kind of things. But mm. it It's was, crazy, isn't it, though, yeah. to think about like when we were growing up and we just had landlines. Yeah. Like, there was no privacy. Like, I remember, like, when I was sort of, I don't know, like, 17, 16, 17, I would have to have, like, um, code words for, like, I think something like a diamond white was an apple. Something stupid. And, like, <laughs> okay. a, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Castaway was, like, a pear. And I'd be like, mm-hmm, two apples, one pear. <laughs> and I'd be looking at my mum in the kitchen I'd be like yeah actually maybe three apples yeah yeah and I'd be thinking she must know this is ridiculous she's eating an awful lot of food oh god I mean she's had a five a day oh, she's very healthy my daughter <laughs> was that the go-to drink the diamond light yeah because you mixed it with the castaway and it became a blastaway uh, a blast I've never heard that so before so what, what was castaway then Castaway was like a, I'm sure they, they called it like a, it was a, a fortified wine with like a fruit juice in it. Oh, it sounds wow. absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah, blast so it was away. like, I know, and you mix them. Blast <laughs> I love a pint of Blastaway, please. Yes. Oh, that reminds me of Snake Bite. When I was at uni, snake it was bite, Snake yeah, Bite. I can say but snake they, couldn't, bite. they couldn't legally give you it. So they used to give you the, the cider and the beers oh they used to serve it in the pub in our our town (laughs) they didn't care they didn't care they didn't care shit they were like nah get them get all these kids pissed (laughs) oh it was lethal god it was Um, lethal well Newcastle brown ale was what I used to have to drink did you drink that yeah I could never stomach that paint stripper Mm. almost Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I've, I, I've, I've many a many a, uh, uh, <laughs> a morning, an early morning sitting by the uh, the porcelain <laughs> toilet. Nuki brown ale. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, after a Nuki down ale. Oh, yeah, it was horrific, really. But I think it was cheap. Yeah. And you could get a lot. You got a lot for your money. That was yes. the thing. Yeah, the, yeah, you got a lot in the, the bottle. The rough ones um, are, are cheaper, aren't they? I think that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's nice hearing your accent because my, 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 um, my grandmother and my father were from Durham, so. Ah, um, oh, really? And I, obviously, you're not. Too, you're, you're Gateshead, were you from originally? Yes. Are you Gateshead yeah. now? Because you were originally, weren't you? No, I'm. I'm. I'm by the sea now. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm. Yeah, I'm right. Right beside the sea, just a couple nice. of minutes away. Nice. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, but it's such a lovely part of the world, actually. I really I used to spend summers up in Durham, and um, yeah, it's it's nice to hear the accent because you don't, I don't hear it that often these days. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a, again, that's one of those, you know, like, I don't know why, but uh, I don't know why, but Geordie accents just seem to be, um, 
uh, what we're trying to say, like, it's like we tend to lump people in the Midlands into the Midlands. Mm, yeah, so like yeah. the Leeds and the Manchester and the York and, mm-hmm. and and all of that kind of blur into each other. And people call it like it's that horrible phrase, general Northern. But mm. with Newcastle, it seems to be sort of very separate. And I guess there's been some kind of famous Geordies that are, have kind of like brought it to prominence a bit. Um, and I used to sort of think, oh, God, you know, people will only ever think of me like as 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 an actress who can do a Geordie accent. Like, why? Mm. People, people won't want to hear me do another accent because they think, no, no, that's not how she talks. Mm. But again, I've sort of... Well, for a start, that hasn't happened because I've actually done loads of jobs that aren't in my accent. But also, I've kind of just surrendered to that. And it's like, you know what? Like, it's fine. It, mm. Don't mm. worry about it. It's it's legit. <laughs> there are, like, Judy Dench never does accents. Mm. Judy Dench only ever works in her own accent. And nobody ever says anything <laughs> no, <I know. laughs> to yeah. her about that. So I just thought, you know, just embrace that. And actually, years and years and years ago, was it was it tea leaves? It might. I know it sounds strange, but you know when you get your tea leaves red. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I was like, this woman came round to my mum's house. She was called Mary, and she read my tea leaves along with like about fifteen other of my mum's friends. And she said to me, like, "Your voice will be your fortune." Oh, and I was like, Phew. and you know, like voiceovers have literally saved me. Wow. Like I am so grateful to have a voiceover career. Mm. It 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 has been so such a blessing for me to be able to do that in tandem with my acting because it's really helped me be able to pay the rent and look mm. after myself and and do nice things because the acting is is obviously as we know doesn't always come regularly but even when it does even when you know like I don't know if people know this who aren't in the business but quite often like the you know the the big jobs in the West End where you see are not the best paid jobs you know yeah. they're the kind of ones where you people want to be there because they want to work in those theatres but yeah. actually the, the the wages is really difficult to live on yeah um so yeah like that's the other thing I've I've learned to to like love that about me as well like it's it's my voice it's where I'm from it's my accent there's nothing wrong with that I can do different accents if I want to and if people want me to but it was all about me feeling like I had to be something that I wasn't, that mm. I had to change mm. in order to be accepted. And um, I, just, I just don't feel like that today. I'm, I'm much happier with, with where I'm at. And, and a lot of people always say they like the accent as well. Which it is really, really nice. it's, well, yeah, it, it just, I love it. it, it yeah. And, um, I think Geordie, for me, Geordie and Welsh are the two friendliest accents, I think. They're just yeah yeah they're like really lilt and I I actually feel gutted song. that I don't really have I mean Giles we both don't really have I guess we do well, to people from other parts of the UK but we sort of don't we have sort of home county nothing yeah. accent. Um, but do you know when I used to go up to Durham though I used to try and put on an accent I'd, like I'd be like why I pet you keep candidate you know like just like um, you know it was just like I was just desperate to sound because I loved the accent and and kind of I was you know, I was trying to fit in with my cousins and stuff I think. Um, and oh, yeah, that's yeah. Cute. My nan—I mean, my nan was just yeah. She had a very strong accent that she never lost, and um, it was always yeah. So it always um, warms my heart a little bit when I hear it. So it's nice. That's nice. But it's as well, Jill. It's interesting you're saying like that. Your that your accent and that that thing was in you the whole time, anyway. 
So you're talking about, yeah. you know, trying to be someone else, but actually the thing that made you happiest was in you the whole time. That is a really yeah. cheesy sitcom ending. I apologise, but it was like, <laughs> and it was in me the whole time. Um, but, but isn't, that, isn't that, isn't that it though? Like, what is it? What's that really famous novel? The um, Paolo. Uh, oh, Coelho. The Alchemist. Paolo Coelho. The Alchemist. Yeah, yeah I've read that. That's yeah. exactly yeah, that story. Yeah. It, it was there all the it, time. Yeah, <laughs> and the role <laughs> credit. <laughs> 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 but I think it's true. I think it's, you know, something to remind, you know, if you're having a tough time, whatever, time to remind yourself, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's there already. You know yourself better than you think you do and you've already got yeah, all the skills the and the powers you need. Yeah, happiness go inwards, not outwards. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Well, Jill, we are running out of time, but I wanted to ask you about, you've got a new show coming out called The Drowning, is that right? Yes. Yeah. When's that coming out? Is it all out? Um, no, it it's comes out, out already, on Monday. Oh, amazing. Yeah. How did that come about? So, you know, got the phone call from my agent um, and got sent the script. And I really, really liked it. I haven't actually mm. done a thriller before. Um, and we were filming an island. Um, are you both familiar with a few different places in Ireland? Like, mm, a little bit. Oh, yeah. my family are from Cork. Well, my dad's family. <laughs> I mean, there's just not really many places in Ireland that aren't gorgeous, no, right? That's so yeah. true. I mean, yeah. honestly, Amazing like, you kind of just all the places I've been in Ireland, you just go, oh, wow, you yeah. know? So we were filming in Ireland, beautiful locations, again, like a gorgeous cast. I really try to hold on to that joy that we've been talking mm. about, which is like, mm. this is a great opportunity. I was working with a gorgeous director, um, Carolina, and yeah, we just we just had a good time. We filmed half of it before lockdown one, then we got shut oh. down. Then ah. we came back six months later and filmed the second half, which was, it was, at first we were all really nervous, like, yeah. oh my God, how's it going to work? But you know what? Like muscle memory, you just, oh, yeah. everyone just got into it. All the new rules. I mean, God, there were so many new rules when we mm. went back, but that we, the, the collective intention was we want to get this done. And because of that, everybody just had their eyes on the prize. And we were like, we've got to get this in the can. Mm. And then we know it can come out, you know, because it would have been, such a shame if it hadn't have come out but the basic premise is that a woman a woman's child jody i play jody jody's child goes missing and nine mm. years later she sees him on his way to school and she follows him oh wow and yeah the story so it's quite dark starts kind there. Of, yeah Ooh. yeah but i was thinking that's interesting that you had that six month break was it hard to get back into character and stuff you had to kind of rediscover that character again after all that time yeah so we had to i had to go back to ireland and quarantine for two weeks before we started mm. on the second block so i had two weeks on my own and that was that was enough time for me to yeah just kind of think and go back to her thought patterns and where she mm. was and, and and all of that you know um because it, it was, you know, like the, the director was really, really nervous because we did have one direct cut where I literally walk out one room and walk into the other room. And that was done six months apart. And she was like, oh, no. I was thinking, but <laughs> Continuity people going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Will she fit into our trousers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was honestly, it was it was fine. And, and the crew there were just a pleasure. And again, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but... It's just true. I just, you know, the the Irish people are. I feel, I feel like like the sort of a bit of a kindred spirit. They have a a warmth to them and mm. a humour to them that is very like what I grew up around. Mm. It's just they're just that's just what they're like. So it was um it was a comfortable place for me to be. 
Oh, amazing. amazing. So that's out on Channel 5, right? Yeah, Channel 5. Brilliant. Fantastic. So that'll be well, out, should... Yeah, by the time this pod goes out, that'll be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you can watch that on Catch-Up, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you, Jill. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, what we like to ask our guests at the end of some sort of, kind of, uh, sort of spring this on you, um, <laughs> is that uh, we always ask our guests if they've got any advice for anyone listening on how they might get through a blank moment. So a difficult moment, how, you know, how you would get through a blank moment. Um, if you've got any advice, you can sort of give our listeners. Okay. Well, in, in my early years, if I had a blank moment, what I would usually do was take immediate action. I would plunge right into something. I would make that phone call, write that email, go wherever I needed to go. And I would, because I, I didn't like the feeling of not knowing what to do. So I would mm. try and change it very quickly. But my advice now is if you have a blank moment, just stay with the discomfort of the blankness. Just stay with it. Even if it's just for a couple of breaths, because it depends where you are when you're having the blank moment. And just see if you can hear yourself. Just see if you can hear like that gut that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Because your head will be going nuts because it'll be in fear and panic mode. And your heart will be beating so fast, it'll be hard to even hear your head. But if you can just slow down and go right the way down to your gut, it will probably inform you very clearly about what you need to do. And sometimes what you need to do is nothing. Mm. Sometimes you really need to let something pass. Like this too shall pass is one of my favorite sayings. Because I've been in times in my life where I've been in such pain and such despair. I've honestly thought, I, I can't bear, I cannot bear this. I, this is unbearable. I, I don't, I'm going to need to do something to get out of it. And I've been advised and I've been told, no, d- don't do anything. Just stay with it. And when you bear the unbearable, you suddenly go, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's all right. I survived that. Yeah. That was okay. And there's something for me now of just just pausing, mm. just listening, trying to go, like we said, go inward, not outward. Don't look for someone to blame or someone to leave. Just go inward and listen to yourself because really that's all we've got. And I think I think we're all pretty, pretty good if we get silent enough we'll be able to hear ourselves that's so true that is excellent advice that's so good just taking that breath sometimes that deep breath and just sitting with it it's so true Mm -hmm. it's so true yeah thank you that's lovely thank you yeah thank thank you you, jill it's been such a privilege to talk to you and a treat thank you so much lovely to chat to you guys thanks that was so much fun thank you yeah thank you so much The wonderful Jill Halfpenny on the Blank Podcast. A lovely episode mm. full of lots of insightfulness and, and thoughtfulness, as you said at the top end, um, but also just a lovely, lovely person as well. So thank you, Jill, so much for, for sharing your thoughts and, uh, yeah, just being brilliant. 
Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to Jill. And um, yeah, can't wait to watch The the Drowning, which is coming out on Channel 5. Indeed, um, well, it'll be out. It'll be out, yeah, it should be out. Out. So go and so watch it on Catch check Up. It out. But uh, sounds like a really fantastic um, show. And uh, she's a fantastic actress. She really is. Mm. She really is. And But also just someone that's very, as you said, thoughtful and just, mm. um, yeah, I love some of the stuff she was saying about the way we sort of uh, think about ourselves and being happier with, you know, who you are now and trying to sort of shed some of that layers and anxiety and just sort of, you know, accept yourself. It's, it's, a, it's a very hard but very powerful thing to do and... Uh, mm. It's lovely to see that sort of Jill was on her journey with that. And um, yeah, really enjoyable episode. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that chat. Well, Jim, that's the end of yeah. another week of the Blank Podcast. They keep coming. They keep coming. Relentless. <laughs> that's what they say about the Blank Podcast. Those two are relentless. <laughs> uh, they just won't stop. Yeah, they won't, won't stop, stop at anything. But well, it, you know, it goes back to what something that Jill was saying on the podcast um, hopefully it's something that our listeners will catch on to when we're doing these is the joy mm. that we experience doing it. We're Absolutely. not the best. <laughs> we don't want to be the best, but we no. enjoy what we do. Oh, we do. I, we, they are genuinely, every episode is really, really, really enjoyable. They, they all leave me with something to think about when I go back downstairs and rejoin normal life. Um, and, I hope that does come across because we're not, you know, we're not doing these for, we don't have a big production company. We're not doing it for the money. We have we're no not production doing company. It for, no, literally, it's just, literally just you and me. We're not doing it for journalistic lines or anything. We are literally just doing it for the joy of talking to these people. So mm. I, I really hope that does come across because that is exactly what it is. For us, it's an hour each week to meet some lovely people, have a chat about life, think about things a bit differently, enjoy their company, enjoy each other's company, and then crack on with our week and that that's it and it's so nice that it seems to resonate with people yeah no it is now yeah i i um reiterate that sentiment completely and uh yeah it's me it's just a privilege and a joy to do so hopefully it's a joy to listen to also for our listeners hopefully that's a nice part to end as well i think it, it is yeah well listen giles have a good week and you jim i'll try not to fall over yeah, try it. Just be careful. Come yeah. on, just, just well, avoid funny, tunnels. Every time I go out now, Michelle is like, be careful. You know, oh, Don't God. Fall, you, that's <laughs> confirmation you're getting old, that is. My, the, the, the other be night careful. I realised, before Miranda and I go, go to bed, she started saying, now, do you need a wee, Jim, before we go to bed? <laughs> I thought, oh, God. So she sees me as old. That's, yeah, that's make sure we go to the loo before we go. Come on. I don't want to wake up to a wet bed. I know. <laughs> I know what you're like. I know I don't what you're like. The bed, by the way, I, just want I know your weaknesses. I <laughs> yeah, I just don't do that. By the way, that's yeah. just yeah. Anyway, um... <laughs> what you don't go for a wee? No, I don't piss the bed. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's good to confirm that <laughs> that I know of. Anyway, mm. um, thank you, Giles. Thank you to our listeners for listening. We're back next week with another episode on the Blank Podcast. Until then, have a great week. Have a joyful week. Stay safe, and we'll see you again soon.
This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.